This is Understanding Money and I am Owen McGee. You're very welcome to episode six of the pod. Today, we're talking all about investing. But before we get into that, let me just give you a reminder. If you haven't listened to some of the other stuff we've covered already, we've covered where is the world at? We've covered inflation. We've covered couples and money. We've covered property. We've covered something else that I can't remember. And then we're on to this one. And today is all about investing. Investing is something that people often get complicated, confused by. And in my opinion, I believe it's made overly complex to create jobs for the boys. I say boys because the last time I checked, 86% of fund managers or wealth managers or whatever you want to call them in Ireland are men. So to create jobs for the boys, they have to make it really complicated. Investing doesn't need to be complicated. It's really simple. It's really boring when done right. In fact, Warren Buffett gives us a great quote. Warren Buffett is one of the richest men in the world. He's in his 90s. He's been investing since he was 13. And he's worth over $100 billion. And a journalist said to him one day, Warren, I'm sure they said Mr. Buffett. Mr. Buffett, why doesn't anyone just look back at what you did? We have a playbook here of how you made all your money, how you invested over the years. Why doesn't someone just copy what you do? And he said, because nobody wants to get rich slow anymore. And that sums up how I think about investing. Get rich fast, get poor fast. Get rich slow and you're going to be okay forever. So we're simple, we're boring and I'm straightforward when it comes to investing. But what am I talking about when it's investing? Why do we need to invest? Where are we going to invest? How are we going to invest? And what does it look like? When I'm talking about investing, I'm talking about the extra 50 quid a month you have in your wages each week that you are each month that you don't need for the next five years. I'm talking about the child benefit that you're planning on putting away for Johnny's college in 18 years time. I'm talking about your pensions. I'm talking about the 150 billion we have sitting on deposit in banks in Ireland right now. When I'm talking about investing, I'm talking about the money that you're not going to use in the next five years. The five-year rule. Why is it five years? It's really simple. Imagine you had €10,000 today and you stuck it into a bank account and you got half of 1% interest on it. Let's ignore tax, simple interest. That €10,000 is going to turn into €10,250 in five years' time. Imagine you wanted to buy something today for €10,000. You say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy it in five years' time. Assuming 2% inflation... Simple interest, the thing that costs €10,000 today is going to cost €11,000 in five years' time. Most people look at their bank account and say, it's gone from 10 to 10,250. I haven't lost any money. But when you look at the thing you wanted to buy, that's gone from 10 to 11. You've lost €750 of your purchasing power. And I'm talking about simple interest here. Imagine compounding that. Imagine doing that over 10 or 20 or 30 years. That is going to seriously damage your wealth. So the five-year rule basically says if you've got money you're not going to use in the next five years, it does not belong in a bank account, it does not belong in the credit union, it does not belong in OnPost. You need to get it out of there and you need to invest it. Towards the end, I will talk to you about what investing looks like. Before we do that, let's have a chat with our guest for this week. I'm joined by Marie. Marie, thank you very much for coming in. You've come all the way up from Limerick this morning. Yes, I have. Yeah. Thank you. I do appreciate you coming in. And I, what I will say is, is I'm not going to be grilling you on your finances. And But if there's anything I ask and you're going to go, oh, I didn't want to share that, just say it. Because what I'm hoping today is, I know you've got some money sitting on deposit. I know it's been sitting on deposit for quite some time. How long has it been there? 
uh, in Ireland for five years and abroad for probably 10 years. Okay. And it's been sitting in a bank account yeah. for 10 and five years, two different amounts of money sitting, doing nothing, yeah, getting exactly. very little interest. Yeah, it's going okay. down in value the whole time. <laughs> okay. And what I'm hoping to do and what I'm hoping you're going to get out of this is that by the end of this conversation, you're going to feel comfortable that you would actually move it from a bank account to something else. Yeah. Okay, that's what I'm hoping we're going to get from that. That's the goal and let's see how close we can get to it. I, I just want to ask you a few questions before I start kind of mm-hmm. schooling you. And you're a teacher, aren't you? Yep, <laughs> yeah, I am. Before I start being the, being the teacher here, I just want to ask you, what is the money for? Is it for a deposit for a house or do you have a house? Is it for, is it, what's, what's the money for? I suppose what's, it is a deposit for a house, but a house that I've been looking at since 2015. Okay. I've just gone to see numerous houses and never bit the bullet. Okay. You know? And why not? I don't know, just afraid to, I suppose, the risk. And are you renting at the moment or are you living at home? Um, I'm not renting, but I'm in a house. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're in a house and you're just afraid to bite the bullet. And is that yeah. because of a location thing? Is it because you don't know where your life is going to lead That's you? That's probably it as well. That's okay. probably it too, yeah. Okay. And you mentioned you were in Australia for a while. How long yeah. were you in Australia Six for? Six and a half years over there. Okay. Yeah. And you've back from there since 2018, are you? 2018, mid-2018, yeah. Okay. And when you think about the purchase of a house, does it scare you? It does. Like, I know I need to do it. But yeah, it does scare me. Do you need to do it? I think just with being like, oh yeah, this is where I'm going to be now for good. Because I love traveling. I like okay. moving. And I think that's probably it too. But having said that, if you had to done this five years ago... You Maybe would, double or more, and, you, yeah. and you've been in, <laughs> and you've, you've been in the same location. You've been in and around Limerick for yeah. the last five years, have yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, I have. Okay, yeah. So there's that reluctance is there for you to buy somewhere, right? Because if you don't want to say this is where I'm going to be forever, and a house feels like forever, does it? And I don't know, just it's a massive purchase too. Just it's kind of scary, you know. Okay. <laughs> and have you ever had, when it come back to the money? So one of the problems you're going to have is if you're sitting on deposit, depending Mm -hmm. on how much money it is, right? But if you're sitting on deposit and you're thinking about buying a house sometime in the future, you are kind of do have a barrier there because you don't know when you buy, how much of a deposit you're going to need, how much of your savings you're going to need. But is it fair to say that the amount of money you have saved so far that you could cover deposit and still have some left over that you're not going to need for the house? Yeah. It It is. is. It is. Okay. Yeah. So, Let's just concentrate. I'm going to break that out in a bit. So what we're saying is, is that you have a sum of money in two different bank accounts, some here and some in Australia. But in total, you could cover the deposit for your house and you'd still have money left over that you don't need and it's just wasting away in the bank account. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. So let's concentrate on just that part of the money first. Okay. okay. You have some money that even if you bought a house, you would still have money left over after your deposit. Yeah. That's sitting and you've done nothing with it. Mm-hmm. In the last five years... I'm giving a round number here, right? So that everyone can kind of relate to the figures. If you had taken 10,000 euros in 2018, mm. okay, which is what you told me, did you, you put money into an Irish bank account at that time? If you had put it into a bank account and got half of 1% on it, it would actually be worth, with compounding, 10,276 euros. Ignore tax, mm. right? Yeah. You probably didn't even get that in the bank account in the last yeah. five years. If you had taken it and invested it in a 60-40 no-brainer portfolio, it would be worth just under 11,500 euros today. Okay. And that's actual numbers. That's not guesses. That's not projections. That's actually the last five years to today, right? From the 1st of January 2018 to today, that's exactly what you would have made off it. And that's an extra 1,250 euros. Now, we don't know what your number, and we don't need to know what your number because it's the maths here that's important. Mm. You have just lost, for every 10,000 euros that you're not needing for towards your deposit, that doesn't have any gold, that's just sitting there, right? You have lost 1,250 euros. 
okay. in the last five years alone. Lovely. You have a choice over the next five years and the next 10 years and the next 20 years whether you want to beat that or you want to kind of reverse that or you want to just continue to do it. The last five years wasn't particularly good for investments, right? You were still, you put in 10, we worth 11 and a half today, but it wasn't particularly good, okay? okay? We've had some very, the last three years in particular have been up and down on a sidewards trend. Usually things are up and down on an upwards trend, but they were up and down on a sideways trend. So the first thing you have to accept is, is doing nothing is losing your money. Yeah. But you probably agree with that, do you? Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. Yeah. So doing absolutely nothing, you're going to lose money and particularly money against inflation. Inflation's yeah. a massive problem at the moment. So when I really think about it, when you start to think about where you're going to, where your push points are, you're either going to be pulled towards something or you're going to run away from something. So when I'm telling you the figure there that it's gone from 10 to 10, 250, and it could have gone from 10 to 11 and a half. Yeah. Is it the pain of missing out on the 1500 quid that gets you? Or is it the potential that you might get 1500 quid? Where's the pain points for you there? Um, yeah, no, I know. I, I definitely know I'm losing money there. I think I don't, I don't see it as like the investment portfolio. Again, I know nothing about any of that, but mm. I just see it in the house prices. Like as in the house that I could have bought in 2015, I would have made a hundred and something thousand on it if I was to sell it now kind of a thing. Yes. You know what I mean? So that's what I see. I see the difference in the house prices. I see what I could buy now for the money I had back then. And it's, less than half the house I could have got. You know what I mean? Okay. So that's how I'm So we're it. back to houses again, right? Yeah. So, Sorry, no, because I just yeah. don't know anything about investing. But, but the, the thing about it is, is that you're, what, what I'm looking at is when I'm looking at your finances and you're telling yeah. me this is what you're looking at, you can do the deposit for the house. You can buy the yeah. house you want and have the deposit for the house, right? But you're still going to have another chunk of money that's not getting any return on it. Yeah. Because you're not going to put it all into the house. No, I know. Right? Yeah. And so you're still going to have a chunk of money that you're not you're going to do it. When you start to think about investing money and you start putting money away long term, there's a couple of options you have, right? The first option is you go and you chase the next big thing, right? So we could put money into crypto for you or gold mm. or NFTs mm. or something like that. I don't believe in the next big thing. I believe in the last, I believe in the last big thing. I don't believe that we can identify the next big thing. In fact, we have to invest in 22 next big things for one of them to work out. Okay. Yeah. So when you meet someone who says, oh, I made a fortune on something, right? Whether it's NFTs or whatever, crypto or whatever it is. One of two things has happened there. Either they were really lucky and they went straight into the one that made them loads of money or they're not telling you about the 21 that they lost money on. Yeah. And if the 22nd one does really well, it might cover the losses he made in the first 21, right? So that's one option. It's not my bag. I'm not going to go near it, right? It's not the type of thing that we do. The next thing we could look at is property. And one of the questions I'd have for you is, is if you were buying a property as an investment, but not to live in it, mm. and you were going to rent it out, would it change your decision around making a property purchase? Yeah, I think in my head, like if I was to buy a property now, it would be one that I would definitely rent out a room in kind of thing to, mm. get, to get that 14,000 yeah. government thing. Like that is what I'd be looking at now. Okay. You know. Is that a viable option for you to take it some of your cash? It is a viable option, yeah. And how active are you about doing that though? Rubbish. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but why are you rubbish? Is it that you just have no interest in it? No, is it- I have massive interest in it. But I don't know. Just actually, just doing it. Just actually doing it. Like I've gone to see them. I've been like, oh yeah, this is nice. Have you ever got mortgage approval? Yeah, numerous times. Have you got mortgage (laughs) approval right now? Um, No, it's just lapsed there about a month ago. Okay. And you didn't find anything within your price range? I looked at a three bed duplex. Okay. Yeah. And you didn't buy it. How long ago was that? Six months ago? That was around July or August last year. When you go and see them and you're bidding on them, if that one that you were bidding on had worked out, would you have gone with it? Oh yeah. Definitely, yeah. And was there not serious disappointment afterwards when it didn't happen? Were you really... It was actually an online auction, so it was live bidding. And were you not gutted afterwards? 
Well, I had a number that I was like, this is my cap. And then I went over that and I was like, okay, I really need to stop now. Just because of what I thought it was worth. I could have kept going. But no, then... but, uh, but my point is, it's not even that that property didn't work out. My point is, is that it didn't then drive you on to go and find another one. Because that no, because I didn't out. see one that I liked as much as that one. Okay. Yeah. And have you looked at much since? I don't. I looked at one last week. Did you? <laughs> I did. And it's within price range and everything. It is. Yeah. So I might. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't believe you at all. Okay. You see, you're, you're like you've really got me now here because I expected us to to sit down and you say, "Oh no, I have my house sorted out, but I have some cash here to spare." But I'm just oh a well, bit... the house. I mean, like, so it's the house I grew up in. Like, so I'm lucky. Like, my parents live up the road. My sister is next door to me as well. Okay, so I'm in a house where, I, like, I suppose there's no big push to get me out the door, kind of a thing. Do you know what I mean? Ah, hold on a second. So you're living in the original family home. Yeah, and you're comfortable. It's handy, like you're. Yeah, it's handy, and yeah. you're grand. Yeah, and you don't have a mortgage. So there's no stress to like. <laughs> you have it too easy then maybe that's it but that is that. yeah so I'm in there about a year so I was renting before that but you see this is really interesting because now what I'm now what I'm hearing is is like you're kind of you're happy out where you're working you're happy that you're staying in Ireland you're happy that the home you're in is comfortable it's where you grew up you've got family around you yeah it's grand yeah and there's no real driver for you to go off and do anything else yeah but the, yeah I think the only thing like I just know that I'm being stupid with money in the bank if you turned around to me and said you know what I'm definitely going to stay here for the next five years. Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to stay in this house and accepted it. So I'm going to stay in this house in five years' time. Now we can take all of your cash and go invest it for five years. Right. Okay. okay. And now if you're kind of just waiting to see where life goes and, and you haven't said this and I'm saying this, but maybe you're waiting to see what way relationships go and see what way things go there. And I, <laughs> This is me and I, you haven't given me anything before or afterwards, right? That's You see where work goes, you see where relationship goes, you see how things go at home. If you said, you know what, I'm absolutely not buying a house for the next five years, we can take all of your cash and invest it and I can absolutely convince you now in the next five minutes that this is the right thing to do. But the first decision has to be, am I going to need any of my cash in the next five years, whether it's for a house or for something else? Okay? And I'm not asking you to make that decision right now. What I'm asking you is, is that you have a unique circumstance in that you reckon you have enough savings to cover deposit and still have some left over. Okay. And what I'd love you to do is to leave here today and kind of go, am I wrecking my head right now? Like I'm happy where I am. I'm comfortable where I am. There's nobody forcing me out. Right. Mm. And would I be happier just to see how life goes over the next five years? And if I'm going to do that, I'm going to stay where I am. And if I'm going to do that, I'm going to stick this money somewhere else so that at least I can try and keep pace with with the prices of property, if nothing else. Okay. Now, the problem with it is, is once you start investing, if you're investing for less than five years, the risk is too high to do it and you shouldn't do it. Okay. So what I'm going to ask you to consider while I'm talking, what I'm going to bring you through now is, is I want you to be thinking about either all of your money because you're going to stay where you are for five years or your money that's left over after you know what the deposit's going to be, okay? Because okay. you're not going to use that in the next yeah. five years either, right? When it comes to investing, you've never done it before. No. no. And you haven't a clue what, what it's all about or how no. it works or anything like it. And that's what you've told me already. There's a couple of things. We, what I would say is, is we can go after next big thing or we can go after property, right? Property, we're going to look after yourself and we've, we've touched on that yeah. already. Yeah. The next option you have is to put it into shares and bonds. Yeah. Okay? So bonds is where you invest you give a loan of your money to companies and governments. You ever driving home in the evening, right? 
and you're in the car and you hear the Irish government raised money on the markets today. So when the Irish money needs money, it goes out to the markets and it says, we need money to build a hospital. <laughs> we need more money to build the same hospital, yeah. right? <laughs> we need money to build a hospital. And they borrow it. And what they do is they borrow the money and they say, in 10 years time, we're going to pay you back. And in the meantime, we're going to give you interest. And what you can do is you can partake in the markets. You can become the markets. You and thousands of other people pull their money together and give a loan of your money to governments okay. and give a loan of your money to big companies. So it's corporate bonds and government bonds. And I don't know enough about you, but let's just take our our 60-40 split, right? So 40% of your money is going to go into bonds. We're not putting the money into bonds in the hope that we're going to get a whole pile of return. The reason why we're putting money into bonds is try and dilute the risk of the shares because we're going to put money into shares as well. Is my explanation of how bonds work, does that make sense to you? Okay, so we've got 40% of your money in bonds, right? The next 48% of your money, we're going to buy tiny bits of thousands of companies. Okay, I mean like thousands of companies. And when we do that, what we're going to do is is you will pull your money again together with lots of other people and you will pull it all in in one go and you will say, okay, we own a little bit together. We own a little bit of Meta, Facebook, Google, Tesla, Disney, Coca-Cola, any big company in the world that you can imagine, you're going to own a tiny bit of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if you can imagine there, you go, oh, this sounds risky, right? I'm scared. Are you, are you, is it, is it no, making sense? No. Yeah, okay. it is, it is. And what yeah. I would say is for most people, it's not that investing is scary or risky. It's, it's just not understood and it's hard mm. to understand it. So you take, you've got 48% of your money's gone into the world stock markets. You probably own every household name you can think of. Okay, Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, right, whatever happens in the world over the next 5, 10 and 15 years, you're sitting there and you're going, I own a piece of Coca-Cola, right? I own a piece of that business. Do I think that business is going to exist in five years time? Yeah. Do I think that business is going to be stronger than it was today? Yeah. But this time next week, Coca-Cola might be on the floor, right? But over a long period of time when you're invested in everything, you are in a position where you should be able to take advantage of the progress companies make. And you're going to invest in all the good ones and all the bad ones and everything in between because you're buying everything. So we 40% of your money in bonds, 48% of your money in the world stock markets and the last 12% we're going to divide into. Small companies outperform large companies, right? This is based on 100 years of data and people who won Nobel Prizes for proving this, right? Okay. Now, when I'm saying small company, I'm not talking about like a corner shop here. I'm talking about small relative to the size of Google, right? Or Alphabet or whatever we're supposed to call it these days. So it's smaller than Google is. And we, what we do is smaller company, a little bit higher risk. So therefore a bit of higher expected return. We're going to put 6% of your money in there. The last 6% we're going to invest in value companies, right? Again, global companies spread across the world. We're going to invest in value companies. A value company is where what we know about stock markets is that they overreact. Okay, and they overreact on the positive and they overreact on the negative. A value play is an overreaction on the negative. Do you remember Richard Gere in Pretty Woman? Yeah. Do you remember what he did? Do you remember his job? No. Okay, okay. (laughs) So he was loaded. It was what we did now, right? Loaded and lonely, I think Richard was in Pretty Woman. But um, she said to him at once, I think she was in the bath at the time, and she said, Julia said to Richard, she said, Richard, what do you do? He says, I buy companies on the stock market and I sell off all the bits for more than I paid for them on the stock market. Okay, so if you think about that in a real life circumstance, Ryanair, Michael O'Leary, about 10 or 12 years ago, tried to buy Aer Lingus, right? And at that time, you could buy Aer Lingus on the stock market and own all of Aer Lingus for 650 million euro. But if you sold all the Aer Lingus planes, all the slots in Heathrow, you sold the the buildings at Dublin and Cork and Shannon and wherever else, you could have got 750 million euro for the assets, right? So you could buy it on the stock market for 650 and sell it, all the bits of it, for 750 Like Richard Gere would have. Michael O'Leary for a moment was a Richard okay. Gere moment, right? <laughs> he had a Richard Gere moment. But 
The point here is, is we know what's happened there is, is the stock market is overacted, it's driven down the share price to the point where the value of the shares is worth less than the value of the assets and we play into that, right? So that's how we would construct a portfolio for you. But mm-hmm. what you want to know is, is what's going to happen, right? If you took a chunk of your cash today, whether it's all of it because you're not going to use any of it for five years to buy a house or some of it because you need to put some aside to buy a house in the next five years, you took a chunk of your cash today and invested it. 12 months from today, there's a 25% chance you'll lose money. Okay. Okay. So one in four. Yeah. That feel comfortable-ish? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Remember, we're not touching it for five years. Yeah. Three years from today, there's a 15% chance you'll have lost money. Okay. And how I'm working that out is, is I'm looking at the last 100 years and I'm saying to myself, over the last 100 years, every three-year period, and I plot it out, how many of the three-year periods were positive and how many three-year periods were negative? And 85% of them positive and 15% of them were negative. Okay. If you leave it alone for five years, there's a 0.4% chance you'll have lost money. So there's a 99.6% chance that money invested the way I've just described will make you money over a five-year period. Yeah. Okay? Now, if you leave it alone for seven or eight or any period of time beyond seven years, there has never in the last hundred years been a seven or more year period where you would have lost money invested in that way. Okay? Yeah. And... What I'm saying is, is when you set these things up, there is a 25% chance in 12 months time you're going to be down. You're going to be looking at going, oh, and you told me to put this money away and I'm down now, yeah. right? And what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to do nothing. In fact, every three to five years, we're going to have what the media call a stock market crash. And this is the stuff that scares people from investing. It's headlines that say, oh, this time is different. The world is never the same again. Financial markets are broken, all of this stuff. Mm. I don't call it a stock market crash. I call it a temporary decline. It's a decline and it's temporary. 80% of the time, the temporary declines will be fixed within a three-year period. Is this stuff making sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is it giving you any comfort? It is. What yes. I would say is, right, every three to five years, we're going to have winter. Winter is coming, right? We know <laughs> that it's going to, something is wrong. Think about the last 15 years, right? And not to diminish the humanitarian situations, but we've had Ukraine, Israel, Gaza, COVID, right? That's yeah. a big, major event. Then we go back We've had Brexit stroke Trump. We go back again. We've had the global financial crisis. Over the last 15 years, every three to five years, we've had some major event, okay? And if you go back over 100, you'll plot them out every three to five years or something big. And what I would say is when those things happen, you'll be looking at me. If I I was the one investing your money on your behalf, you'd be looking at me going, oh, what are we going to do? This is different and the newspapers say it's different. It's different circumstances, but it's the same, right? And it happens all the time. We're going to do absolutely nothing because we invest and we forget and we leave it alone. What I'm saying to you is, is you've already in the last five years alone, you have already lost 1,250 quid for every 10,000 euros you didn't invest. And they're real numbers based on today invested in that way. Yeah. Okay. You can decide that in five years from now, you're going to be in exactly the same position and you'll probably twice as much that you've lost compared to inflation. Okay. (laughs) And that's for every 10,000 euros that you have sitting in your bank account that you're not putting to work. Mm. You go to school, you teach the students, you work hard, you have nice summers, you work hard and your money is not working hard for you. You're working hard to get your money and it's not working hard for you. And you are signing yourself up to financial stress. When you're sitting on a lot of cash, it's a sin to be sitting on a lot of cash when you're not putting it to work at all. Because yeah. there are other people out there, if they had your opportunity, would be doing something with it. Yeah. And just because you have cash sitting there and you're kind of just not sure what to do, you need to take the time to make some decisions and say, you know what, a decision is I'm not buying right now or a decision is I am definitely buying in the next 12 months and I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And once you've made that decision, you can start making decisions around the rest of your finances. 
does it make sense what I'm talking about in terms of how the money gets invested? Yeah, no, it does. Yeah. Definitely. Do you recognize that you can't keep doing what you're doing? Yeah. And, and you need to make a decision that I'm doing something or yeah. a decision might be that I'm doing absolutely nothing. I'm going to sit in my cash until I buy a yeah. house. I'm going to do something. <laughs> what do you, what, what's your gut feel right now about what you might do? I would like to invest. I would like to know like how to invest. Okay. Like, like I get what you're saying, but where do I do that? Excellent mm. question. Okay. So you can always come to prosperous.ie. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you can come, obviously you can come to us, but let's not just like generally what, what I would suggest is you can walk into a bank and they will, in fact, one of the banks has a thing called a 60-40 portfolio and a bank executive told me, the person who, one of the senior execs in one of those banks came to me and says, oh yeah, we kept having people coming in asking for Owen McGee's 60-40 portfolio. So now we have a 60-40 portfolio. Yes. I was like, right, I didn't get paid for that one. Thanks guys. <laughs> but what I would say is you can go into a bank and you can do it, right? Okay, and any the, bank. Any bank will be able to do it for you. They'll be able to set uh. it up for you, no problem. A lot of the bigger credit unions will have an opportunity to do it as well. Ask your friends who their financial advisor is or financial planner is. It's not something we talk to about with people in Ireland. We don't talk about financial advice or yeah. financial planning and who who, do, who looks after your money. Talk to your friends and see who it is. If you're stuck, come to us, right? And if you're not stuck and you want to come to us, come to us. Absolutely, we'll look after you. And we, we have offerings at every level. Depending, it doesn't even matter how much is in your account because if you have money to invest, we will help you and we'll build a plan around it and we'll sort it out, okay? Mm-hmm. But what I would say is, is definitely do something about it. When you do engage, if you went straight to the bank or you go straight somewhere else and you're not coming to someone like us, right? What I would say is just be really careful of charges. Yeah. So there's two ways they'll charge you. One is they'll charge you on the way in. So say you're putting 10 grand in, they might charge you 300 euros to invest it. Okay. And that's what they'll call 97% allocation. They always err on the side of positivity. We're giving you 97% allocation, which converted into real man's language means we're charging you 3% on the way in. If they say they're giving you 98% allocation, they're going to charge you 2% on the way in. Yeah. Our starting point is always 100% allocation. And that's the first thing to look at. And then the second way they'll charge you is on an ongoing basis. So in and around 1.5% would be around normal for an investment like this. So it's Of how much is invested? Exactly, of okay. how much is invested. And what they do there is they take one 365th of 1.5% out every day. So okay. it's not that on the 3rd of January every year we take 1.5% of your money. They take it out every day gradually throughout the years, typically yeah. the way it's done. Yeah. They should be the only two charges you're keeping an eye out. There should be no allocation charge. You should be getting 100% and you should be looking at 1.5%-ish is what you should be paying. There is a tax in the way in a 1%. If you battle hard, you'll get rid of that tax as well. Okay. Um, the tax is 1%. They call it a levy. It's a tax, right? So what I would say is talk to your friends, talk to family, ask them, where, are you, where have you invested money? If you do go into the bank in particular, any bank, I don't care which bank it is, be really careful of that allocation rate thing. Yeah. I'm going to leave the last word to you, right? You can be in here today. You might buy a property, you may not. What I'm asking you to do is go away and decide, am I going to buy a property in the next five years or not? And if you're not, just invest all your money. And if you are, put some money aside for the deposit, invest the rest because you cannot sit here and be sitting here in five years time. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's the end of 2023. You do not want to be sitting here in 2028 still sitting in the bank account. I hope I've given you some insight into how to invest money. It's simple. It's boring. It's straightforward. Have I succeeded? You have, Owen. Well done. Very good. Yeah, no, I will. I'll definitely, definitely get up off my butt now and do that. Thank you very much for taking the time out. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm joined again by Amanda for the Q&A this week. Amanda, remind everyone who you are. Hi, I'm Amanda. I work with OWN at Prosperous and I am the marketing manager. You have some questions for us today. Let's just jump straight in, will we? Mm-hmm. Hi, I hope it's okay to ask for this advice. We'll be inheriting 180k next year. 
just wondering what your advice would be to do with it. We're married in our 50s, earning 100k and 40k. Three kids are on college age, but we have a savings plan for this. Five years left on mortgage. My husband has a good HSE pension and I have no pension. We have no other significant savings or debt. We'd like to put at least a chunk of the money towards post-grad support for the kids. Thank you very much. Nice position to be in. They seem to be in a strong position financially, mm-hmm. don't they? A couple of things that would jump out at me there. First of all, you've just inherited some money. And one of the things I like to do is I like people to, or they're about to inherit money. And I hope it's not someone too close. If you're listening, I hope it's not someone too close. Um, and hopefully it's a distant relative giving you 180 grand, but that you've never met. But anyway, when you inherit money, I think you need to sit back and say, what would that person want me to do with this? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a real honour and respect for what they stood for and what you meant to them to kind of bring it on a little bit for them to use their money to do something that they'd appreciate that you did and it's probably going to be something like something for yourself and they'd appreciate that they did that for you so that's first and foremost one of the priorities I would have in my head what would they want you to do what legacy would they want Mm. to create for themselves beyond that though a couple of things that jump out the college the post-grad costs a good financial planner would sit down and say okay how much money is that going to cost They'll work it out. It's going to cost X. So you need to put Y away today. So it's going to cost you 30 grand. You need to put 25 grand away today because yeah. in five years time, then the money will all be there to cover it. And they'll they'll siphon off a chunk of that money to be able to do that. Be interested to see where the mortgage is at. There's five years left in it. Would it be worth, even if it doesn't make financial sense to clear off the mortgage, would there be enough there to clear it off in full and get the emotional benefit of clearing off the mortgage? Clearing off the mortgage isn't always the right thing to do yeah. um, financially. I think it's a real emotional benefit when you're clearing it off in full. You look a little bit confused by that suggestion. No, no, no. Um, I think even maybe assigning the money to sit aside, it is within the next five years, as you say, like anything that goes into investments is always five years plus. So the the mortgage is something that it's going to come up in the next five years anyway. Yeah, so it's going they, to be gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's going to be gone in the next five years, but it's just, and that's why I'm kind of going, it's going to be gone in five years time. Yeah. But you could probably, there's probably very little left on it or mm. a manageable amount left on it. It's probably not affecting them on a day-to-day basis all that yeah. much, but there is that emotional benefit to get it done. Yeah. And again, back to that kind of respect and the that wishes. That little weight lifted. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. if it's someone who was very close to you in particular, the fact that they got to clear off your mortgage mm. for you is a nice legacy for them to have left behind. Yeah. And it's something I would consider. It's hard to say whether it's the right thing to do or not without knowing the exact figures. The other thing that jumped out was 100 grand and 40 grand. One of them's HSE and a good pension. One of them has, by assuming the, I don't know why I assume the 40 grand, I don't know if it picks something up in there, but the person on the 40 grand is uh, the one without the pension. But we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. 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 Um, But what I would say is, is a chunk of this, people often forget, particularly people who are PAYE workers, you can up until October, if you're doing your tax return, in paper or mm. middle of November if you're doing your tax return online every year you can put money into your pension for last year yeah, yeah. so at the moment we're recording this just at the end of October 2023 yeah. you can still put money in for 2022 mm-hmm. okay if you haven't done your tax return yet if you are a PAYE worker you should be doing a tax return Mm-hmm. because you're more likely to get tax back than you are to have to pay extra tax and it's the right thing to do. People don't realise you can still put money into pension for last year. So that person with no pension could put money into pension for last year, put money into pension for this yeah. year and take a chunk out of that 180k. Yeah, whenever it comes through, do a back payment yeah. into the... So that would be the first piece. That really, would be the first yeah, piece. That they, they don't seem to have any short-term debt or anything else. No. The yeah. final thing I'd say to these people though is it's 180 grand. Make sure you have the taxes sorted out by the way. Make sure you're aware that there might be taxes mm-hmm. to be due, particularly if it's a distant, long-lost relative that you haven't spoken to in a long time you could potentially have tax bills to pay there make sure that's on, on hand but you're in a good position you're mm. in your mid-50s 
People who have a financial planner have two and a half times the net worth of people who don't when they retire. Yeah. You've yeah. got a few quid there now to pay for some decent advice. Go get some specific advice for yourself. Whether it's from us, I'm sure Amanda's going to say, no, it has to be from us. <laughs> Whether it's from us or for somebody else, I really think it makes sense that you would go and get some advice. This is potentially life-changing money. Mm-hmm. And you could wake up in 10 years time going, God, I wonder, could I have done that differently? And that's what a financial planner, the difference they're going to make for you if you get the right one. Yeah, because I think, like they said, they have something in place already for the college. They really seem to have a good idea of what they want from their finances already. Mm-hmm. And just with getting that, I suppose, a bump, investing in a financial planner would be Did great you see the person two weeks ago? Not that Saturday, the Saturday before. And obviously this is going out in 10 days time. So it would be three Saturdays ago when by the time you're listening to this. It doesn't matter. But someone on the Q&A said that person who was on the podcast seemed like they had all their stuff in order. They were talking about yeah. Connor. Why would they go to Prosperous? Yeah, yeah. I was pulling my hair out. I was mm. going, listen, my answer to that is, is there's things that people don't know they don't know. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. That's yeah, what a financial yeah. planner is for. But also, people who have a decent amount of wealth really benefit from a good financial planner. Absolutely, yeah. And yeah. I was, I'm going to be honest, I was banging, it was a Saturday afternoon I saw the question, I was banging <laughs> my head off a wall. Have I done that bad of a job that people don't understand what a financial planner does? <laughs> yeah. And look, yeah, it's great and it makes great TV to go on and tell someone how much they're spending in pennies and it's useful and it's very beneficial for lots of people. But there's a whole spectrum of advice there that goes from people who are really struggling who are not struggling at all. Yeah. And a good financial planner will be able to help them all. Yeah. Did you pull your hair out when you saw that question or had I dealt with it at that stage and you were grand? Uh, I laughed at your response. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Let's go with the next question. Hi Owen, how are you? How does one, I guess, put money away with a view towards investing and become of the attitude that it's not going to be lost, I guess, that investing is more of a means with a purpose rather than a hopeful punch into thin air kind of way? I come from a family, let's say, whereby... Mum and dad's feelings will be very much of the opinion that the safest place to have your, your money is in the bank because it's there when you need it. Thank you for your help all the same. I think this is a real Irish mentality. On Explain that to me. Just with how we feel our money is safest in a bank. Mm. You know, you always kind of, you hear the negativity more so on investing and losing money. Yeah. And I think that's where like people do kind of struggle with, is this going to definitely benefit me and the uncertainty behind yeah. it. Like we've looked at numbers today already around like inflation and what it does to your purchasing power of your money and the, the stats stack up. It does not make sense long term yeah. to leave money in a bank account. It's mm-hmm. not the safest place for yeah. it, right? It's better than the mattress, but it's not the safest place for <laughs> it. And what's interesting about that person's question is that they've they, whether they realise it or not, they're still being influenced by their parents and their relationship mm-hmm. with money. Like one of the things I find funny is people say, oh, I wouldn't put money into shares or I wouldn't put money into a pension. Sure, my friend lost money on a pension, yeah. right? That's a bit like saying, I wouldn't eat food. My friend got food poisoning. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. same mentality, yeah. right? And if you think about the question that person just asked there, like that it's not just going to disappear, right? Now, just think about this for a second. Like, Amanda, I'm going to put you on the spot, right? Think about the biggest company. What's the biggest company in the world in your head? Uh, Google. Okay, Apple. Google, Apple. Any more? Uh, Tesla. Okay. There's massive um, Coca-Cola. Okay, right. We've four or five there, yeah. right? So we've a couple there. Let's just take Coca-Cola. Imagine you owned a tiny bit of Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. right? So that's what investing is. You buy a tiny bit of Coca-Cola. Now, can you imagine a circumstance where Coca-Cola goes from what it's worth today, which I don't know what it is worth today. Probably should have went with Alphabet because I know it's worth, Alphabet is Google, right? Let's jump to Alphabet. Alphabet is worth over a trillion now is the market cap. So the value of all the shares is over a trillion, right? Mm -hmm. 
Could you imagine a circumstance where Alphabet would go from being worth over a trillion on the stock markets to being worth zero? Yeah. Like it, it it's, it's possible. Just... It would require a hell of a lot of kind of maybe internal fraud and a whole pile of other stuff to be going on. The yeah. internet would probably have to be broke forever. Right. Yeah. So it's to go from where it is to be worth zero. And I mean, even the buildings to be worth zero, all the assets it has been worth zero, like for it just to be wiped out completely. Now, it's not just that if you invest money, you're going to lose it all because Alphabet went to zero. Because when you invest money properly, mm. it's not unusual to be invested in 10 or 12,000 yeah. different companies. Now, when it's hard to imagine Alphabet going all the way to zero, Google going all the way to zero, try and give me a circumstance where the top 12,000 companies in the world Mm. all go from whatever they're worth today to zero Mm. in one go. And I guarantee you, if you can come up with that catastrophic event, you're not worried about your money. That's what I was going to say. The last (laughs) thing you're going to be worrying about is your money. And this is the thing that people really struggle with. They kind of go, oh, but I could lose money. It's shares and I might lose money, right? Yeah, you could lose money. But if you stick in with it, things recover and things come back. And the threat to an investment or a pension even going wrong is not the underlying investment. The biggest threat to an investment going wrong is the behaviour of the investor. Yeah. It's not the investment mm. going wrong. It's the investor doing the wrong thing at the wrong time for the wrong reasons. And I've stolen that from someone else, but I love it. The mm-hmm. wrong thing, the wrong time for the wrong reasons. Can't remember who it was. I'd give them credit if I did. <laughs> and I just find it phenomenal that people say, oh no, you know what I'm going to do? I'm leaving the bank account where I'm guaranteed to lose money over time because I'd be afraid of sticking it in shares in the biggest companies in the world where they're all going to progress and they're all going to be in a better place. Overall, on average, they're going to be in a better place in five or 10 years time. Yeah. And I think that that person really needs to sit down with somebody and get advice for them and get someone to explain it to them for the first time in a way that they understand because I don't think they've ever been, investing has ever been explained to them properly before. Yeah. Yeah. Did I miss anything on that question? Because I got caught up with that whole going to zero thing that he kind of mentioned or referenced. Um, no, I, I think it covers, I suppose, the mentality behind getting into the right mindset of you're not just investing in, say, one company. And, you know, I suppose it's all about getting the right advice. Yeah. Um, and that's a really important point. It's about where you get your advice. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it sounds like he probably loves his parents. But I'm not sure his parents are financial planners, wealth managers or advisors. And they've done okay, and they've done all right. And I wouldn't say this to their face, but I'd love to show them how much better they could have done over the last 40 years. Let's go for the next question. Hey, Owen. My name is Dave. Just really wanted to know more about investing in Ireland. Um, I've listened to numerous podcasts, UK and US-based podcasts, talking about investing in uh, global index funds. But it just doesn't seem as clear cut in Ireland. I'm not currently investing in anything, nor am I paying into any pension plans. So I suppose pensions versus investments in global index funds, etc. Um, any information will be greatly appreciated. Thanks, Owen. Love the podcast. He is getting a lot of information from outside of Ireland, UK mm-hmm. and US. One of the serious disadvantages we have in Ireland is when it comes to investing, there's two, there's a big decision you have to make. Are you mm-hmm. going to go active? Or are you going to go passive? Passive is where you win buy just the entire stock market. You buy all the good stuff, all the bad stuff and everything in between. Yeah. Active is where you pay a fund manager to look at the stock market and buy the good ones and avoid the bad ones. Yeah. In the hope that what they will do is, is after charges, they will beat the stock market. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 40% of fund managers will beat the stock market in any given year. Mm-hmm. Over a 30 year period, less than 1% of fund managers, when you allow for charges, will beat the stock market. Mm-hmm. It is possible to pick a good fund manager. It's just not probable. So we don't do it. 
right? Mm-hmm. So that's that person is gathering a whole pile of information. It's really useful for them to understand how investing works and the world works and everything else. But they don't understand how the world works. Ireland is an own little country, all yeah, on its yeah. own, with all its own little rules, right? We are a small economy, right? In terms of the greater investment world, we are a small player in all of yeah, this. Yeah, we yeah. punch above our weight, absolutely. But for the retail investor in Ireland, there isn't a whole pile of us. And therefore, one of the things I find absolutely opaque is when a fund manager goes to beat the stock market, they have to pay for their own home and their Harvard degree. And the team of 15 people who work with them have their Princeton and Harvard and Yale and all of these degrees. And they've got their own mortgages to pay. So they charge and they charge you a lot to cover Mm -hmm. their costs and they fail to beat the benchmark. Statistically, they fail to beat the benchmark. Now, in Ireland, what you would expect is, is that you would expect it to be the same as the US. Buying the index or buying a, a stock market fund is really cheap in the US and a fund manager is expensive. In Ireland, they're often the same price. Yeah. And it absolutely drives me nuts. It makes no sense that active and passive would be the same price. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, it's not always the case. You can buy some cheaper funds here in Ireland, but it's, you cannot invest in Ireland as cheaply as you can invest in, say, the US. That's why sometimes on a Saturday, Amanda, you'd see a question coming in and it would be, uh, I'm here, I'm living abroad. Should I invest here or should I invest at home? Mm. And nine times out of the 10, the answer is going to be invest wherever you are because it's going to be bigger than where we are here. Yeah, and yeah. therefore, you're going to get better charging structures and everything else. Yeah. Sorry, I went on a rant there about passive and active. That person, if they're listening to US stuff, and UK as well, more so the US, they're going to think that they're going to get it much cheaper by going passive. And it's not always the case. Mm-hmm. By just buying the index is not always the case in Ireland because we just have a messed up system where we're, we don't have the economies of scale to drive down costs. Was there another question in there though? Yeah, I think um, it was just going more towards the charges and stuff in Ireland and involved in investment. That's what I kind of got. Oh yeah, sorry, he did say that. And he also said, should he invest in a global fund or should he invest in a pension? Sorry, I know the question. Interesting, we did cover earlier on in the pod, I know you haven't heard it, right? But we covered Mm. charges. The two charges to be looking out for is allocation rate. You need to get 100% allocation Mm -hmm. and annual management fee. In and around 1.5% would be normal enough for an Irish market. And if he's listening to US podcasts, he's probably hearing you can invest in the stock market for 0.8. That's 0.08. That's 8 bips versus 150 bips, which is what would be typical here, right? So what I would say is, is that, yeah, charges is something you need to be mindful of. The two ways you get charged, allocation rate and ongoing management fee. In terms of should he invest in a global ETF or should he invest in a pension? He needs to invest his pension in a global ETF if that's what he wants to do. Yeah, and yeah, people yeah. often think it's two different things. Should I invest or should I invest in a pension? Yeah. When you put your money into pension, it's just an investment with great tax relief on it. And the problem people have is getting their head around that is, is okay, so now I've put my money into pension. I've got tax relief. It's going to grow tax free. Then you have to make an investment decision. And that investment decision might be, I'm going to go active or I'm going to go passive. I'm going to buy a global Mm. ETF. I'm going to buy a bond fund. What am I going to do with it? And that's where people need to tie the two things together. It's not investing or pension. You can take your pension and invest it. Yeah. The main difference, I suppose, from a pension and an investment could be when they can access it as well. You know, so like, I suppose the question I'm thinking, maybe that's what his mentality behind it was. Something, maybe the investment could have been... Shorter term. Yeah. And that's that's about getting your, your finances sorted yeah. that you say, right, what do I need in the next five years? Which I keep rapping on about today. What do I need in the next five years? That's bank account stuff. What mm-hmm. do I need in the medium term? That's investment stuff. What am I happy to leave for the long term? That's pension stuff. And it's about getting that balance right to making yeah. sure you're ticking all the three boxes. Yeah. 
that's us for today, is it? Yep. Thanks everybody for sending their questions in uh, so far. We do still have a couple of questions that we haven't, we might not have got to yet. Uh, They might be suitable for a different topic that we'll be doing over the next couple of weeks. Or your question could be covered in a slightly, could have been asked in a slightly different way. But for anyone who has a question that they would like to send us, the number is 087-291-0507. That's 087-291-0507. So people can send their questions to that number. And by voice note. um, Voice note for questions. Just short voice notes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And you see, every week it's a different pain for you, Amanda, right? So a short voice note to that WhatsApp, to that number. Yeah. Also, if you've got any comments, any suggestions, anything about the pod, if you want to come on the pod. If you want to come on, yeah. yeah, If you want to come and join us on the podcast, we'd love to have you. Don't worry too much. We are covering different topics each week. If you have an interesting story, we want to talk to you. Mm. Get in touch with Amanda by WhatsApp and say, this is my story. This is why I'd love to come on the pod. Or if you have suggestions of who we should bring on as well. Let's make Amanda's life easier, everyone. All our lives easier. (laughs) Thanks for coming in, Amanda. (laughs) Thank you. So that's investing. Again, every time I finish, get to the end of these podcasts and think to myself, there's so much more to talk about. We talked about a lot today. If you've got money you're not using in the next five years, I hope you've got the message. It doesn't belong in your bank account, credit union or on post. You need to get it invested. But remember, you don't have to have loads of money to invest money. For a couple of hundred quid a month or even 500, 1,000 once off, you can get invested properly. I'm not talking about apps. I'm talking about invested properly for the long term. There's loads of advice you can get out there. There's loads of people you can pay to give you advice. There's loads of people who will get paid by commission to give you advice. Commission isn't a bad word. Paying for advice isn't a bad word. Transparency is what you need. Talk to your friends. Talk to people around you and say, do you have anyone who gives you any financial advice and could I go to them too? It's not just for huge amounts of money. It's for everybody. The rules for investing 500 euros are the same rules for investing 5 million euros. It's just math. That's all it is. We got to hear Marie's story and it was really interesting to hear her relationship with her money that she has in savings for 10 years. I didn't really want to kick the crap out of her by telling her. I gave her the five-year number, but I wasn't going to give her the 10-year number. She would have been so much better off today if she had just taken that money and invested it and left it and just let it run for the last 10 years. We've had some of the most amazing years of returns on stock markets in the last 10 years, and she's missed out on all of them. And I really hope she goes off and makes the right decision for her. But if you are a Marie sitting at home and you're going, I'm sitting on cash for ages, go and take this as your action point to jump up and get some advice. I always give you a takeaway. The takeaway is get some advice. I really appreciate everybody who listens to the show. I appreciate you even more when you follow as well. But try and follow us, whether it's podcast, whether it's Apple or it's Spotify or wherever you follow the show so that you get notified. It really helps us to make better shows week on, week out. The other thing is, for example, Marie today, the conversation kept going even after and it didn't, not all the conversation makes it. And the full conversation will be up on YouTube, including, for those ones who are always asking me about it, it was a little bit of a talk about UK state pension and how all that works. So go check out the YouTube. But again, thank you for giving me your time. I appreciate it. I hope you get something from it and I hope you come back again.